Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 45. So today I'm super excited to be talking to Samantha Boffin all about improv. But before that, last week, I was sharing the four elements of a great introduction. So do head over to episode 44 to hear what I had to say. And as always, if you'd like to support this show, you can do so by treating me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire I'll put a link in the show notes. Now back to Samantha. You may remember that she was my first ever guest on the show. That's episode 21. And now she's the first guest to come back for a second episode. So besides being a voiceover artist and director, Sam is also an actor and Sam does an improv class every week. She believes that we're all expert improvisers, we just don't realise we are. And in this episode, Sam is sharing what improv is and how it can help us as educators, as facilitators in our own practice and also when we're with our groups leading programmes. We also talk about how improv makes you a better listener, how it makes you more confident and flexible, and how it teaches us to be unafraid of mistakes and failure. We discuss how we might be able to use improv techniques and games with our groups as well, from yes and, narrative colour emotion and line-by-line stories via Humpty Dumpty and Brian the Washing Machine Repairman. Yes, we discuss how you can make your audience feel safe and comfortable using improv techniques. So a lot going on in this week's episode. We had a really lovely chat and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Hi, Samantha. Welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Claire. Lovely to be back. (laughs) It's amazing. You were my first guest, uh, episode 21 you were talking about how to use your voice and now you're yeah. back. We're on episode 45. So you're wow. my first ever guest and the first <laughs> guest to appear on two episodes. <laughs> Fantastic. Good. <laughs> so we're talking about something slightly different today because we're yeah. going to be talking about improv. Um, you're going to be leading a masterclass for my membership later in the month. Um, so I wanted to get you on just to talk about um, how we can use improv, how it can help us as educators. But first, perhaps you could tell me where you are right now. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a voiceover and I'm a director. I'm based in London. So I work, I work with different kinds of people all around the world. And when I was thinking about this, actually, as a podcast, I was thinking, well, you'd automatically assume that improv and stuff like that is useful for one half of my work, which is the sort of games and um, audio drama and the sort of more dramatic things that I do. But it's also just as useful, interestingly, for corporates and commercials. So I do everything from, you know, gaming and audio drama to corporates and commercials, television work, documentaries, things like that. And... Um, and, and I, I find that it's a very useful, flexible tool for 
all of that. So we're going to dive into a little bit about uh, what it is and how it influences your work. Um, but just to say that um, you sort of, uh, in your work, you might use it in a variety of ways. You might, how might you actually use improv in the work that you do? Yeah, so I do lots, of, I do lots and lots of different types of work. So I do the voiceover part, which is where I, it's an act, the acting part, basically. And it doesn't matter what kind of voiceover I'm doing. It's always, it's, I'm always playing a role. I'm always acting something. And that, in that aspect, it enables me to possibly come up with new ideas, to make connections between patterns in things, and to sound more uh, conversational and fluid. And it, it brings a whole range of things. And also, if I'm acting against somebody, so if I'm a character in a game or a character in an audio drama, it will allow me to take what they're giving me and make it sound real and in the moment. The other bit of what I do is I'm also a director, which is slightly more varied. It has a lot of different aspects to it. So I either work one-to-one -one with people. I could work one-to-one -one with voiceovers. And we I, I, either I do, I teach short-form voiceover stuff. So that's commercials and promos and things like that. And I also make voiceover reels for people now. So it's really useful for me as a director to really listen and understand what they need from me to make their performances even better. And, and also they often give me surprising things. If I can allow them the space to improvise a bit, then I often get back far more than I was ever expecting from what had been written and was just on the page. They, they can sort of enhance it and embellish it. But I also teach audio drama and voice technique in person and in groups or schools or colleges. I, I go and teach in person. Obviously, that, that didn't happen so much in COVID, although it still did. I did it in groups online. But And there, again, it's great improvisation because it, it really gets people working together as a group. It makes people more active and more collaborative. And, and also, then I work with non-voiceover people, so podcasters or speakers or coaches that want to get more in tune with how they sound. And again, improvisation can be really useful as a, a technique right at the beginning and, and also throughout all that to ground people and make them feel really heard and listened to and, and relaxed. Yeah, so many useful ways that we mm. can sort of embed it into everything we do, really. Um, I think going to our chat just before we started recording, we were talking about the fact that sometimes when you talk about improvisation or improv, it can seem quite a scary thing. So yeah. <laughs> how would you describe it? What is it exactly? Well, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right improvising fills a lot of people with with fear but the reality is is as human beings we improvise almost every minute of our lives and so it's a much more natural much more um uh, you know familiar technique than we might at first imagine because most of the times that we're talking like right now uh, we're literally making it up as we go along in the moment and even when we tell stories stories that we know that we're familiar with each time we tell them we often tell them in a slightly different way. We can embellish them, leave bits out, leave bits in, and we we adapt to whatever environment we're in. Well, that's all improvisation. And from the very first, uh, children improvise all the time when they play. And then somehow we get more fearful of it. 
we get more fearful of it as we become adult. But in fact, we still do it all the time. We just don't realize we're doing it. Um, and I suppose if we're going to get formal, improvisation is a form of live theatre or a form of play in which the plot and the characters and the dialogue are literally made up in the moment. And I, it, it was one of the first things as an actor that I was encouraged to do. I've been doing improv classes on and off for years, and it's a real bedrock of, um, of drama training. And just before, well, actually not just before lockdown, for about a year before lockdown, I was part of an improv group and I'm still part of that group. We've been going for about three years in London. And the reason I took it up was because an acting teacher at a character, a voiceover character workshop said, one of the most useful things you can do as an actor to be more flexible in your work is to do an improv class. So I've been doing them every single week for about three years. And, um, and it's so, they're so useful. I do a lot of dubbing and, um, and it means that I can add stuff in or bounce off my fellow actors as I said before. And, you know, it's, 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 it's fantastic. It makes you, I think improv makes you a more active listener, a better listener, which means that you can respond in the moment in the right way and not just kind of go on your own trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it can be so useful for our work as well. As mm. you, we're thinking about us, ourselves as educators and guides in our work, leading tours, guiding discussions in the museum or around art. Yeah. How could we take improvisation? What can we take from it into our own practice? Maybe there are some benefits for us as well. Oh, there, there definitely are, because it encourages, I think the whole ethos of it, it, it encourages you to be really positive and not shut communication down. And of course, when you're leading tours or workshops, that's what you want. You want more communication. You want that communication to be open and um, generous. And because it makes you more confident and flexible, and the way it makes you more confident actually is that you become, you realize that you can make mistakes and still, you know, you can, you can still keep going and you can think on your feet and it doesn't matter so much if you make a mistake. It trains you not to be so down on yourself when things don't go perfectly as because things are rarely perfect. And um, it's, it can be so useful for public speaking because everything we do is about communication and every tour, every discussion that you do is, is unique. And you as educators, you're there to start the discussion. But of course the fun, the interest is where does that discussion go? Where does it lead? Because if it was simply a case getting the facts across in a in a more linear way where you could just re record your tours you could just record them and that would be the job done you could give people a, a nice little uh, voice recording but the thing is is we want this we want the discussion we want the interaction with people and when we're participants in that and when we are leading those workshops and discussions we discover surprising stuff and it's brilliant to be able to create this environment where people get really excited about delving deeper and discovering new things. Um, yeah, I yeah, think that's brilliant. where it enhances communication. Yeah, I, I, can, I can completely see it, being able to be flexible, being confident about perhaps taking a different path, not the path you've always, or always taken perhaps, yeah. doing something new, innovating. Um, but also being um, being prepared for the unknown and thinking, well, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, As you say, yes. it's not so bad if things don't go well. You learn from them, you reflect on them, and you put in a plan for next time. But that sort of flexibility, yeah, 
um, it can bring so much and it can bring so much into the discussion as well if you're prepared to let go of a little bit of control, I think. Yes, absolutely. And also when, when you're really listening, well, because that, that's one of the big things, I think that's probably one of the main things I think with improv is being positive, but also listening, really listening and then responding in the right way, in a way that makes the other person feel validated and not shutting stuff down. So, um, so w- which of course is really important when you're when you're doing a tour. If there's a if there's a question that comes up, you you really want to lead listen to that question and respond to it, not just keep <laughs> on on what you were about to say, but be able to go off at a tangent. So, one there's a there's a classic improv game um, that is line by line storytelling. So each person. Um, contributes the next line to the story so you start off if you like you start off by saying a classic sort of once upon a time and so the first person to talk makes what's called an offer so we make an offer so once upon a time for instance there was a washing machine repairman called brian who was fed up with fixing washing machines so that's the opener so the next person has to respond to that but if if they if they take that uh idea off onto a totally different tangent say so they said and one day he met a dragon that's that's not listening and responding that's not wildly helpful yes we have the excitement of a dragon in the story but it feels good but actually we'd be better sticking to brian and his equally fascinating story so so building on what people are offering you and going along with what they have in their mind it encourages us to really listen and respond. And listening is such an important skill. It's something yeah. I've been working on a lot recently. I'm taking a, a coaching certification. So it's something I've been reading about, something I've been actively trying to improve as well. I think yeah. we all think we're great listeners, but when you really, really focus with intent on what someone's saying, you hear so much more and you're able yeah. to use that information. You can use it, as you say, you know, for the next line in the story or to think of a question or to push the discussion further. So the listening part is incredibly important. Yeah, it is. I think it's really, it is something that we, you do, well, you have to in improvisation because in order to, you know, make the story go further or to make whatever you're doing actually fly, you have to, you know, build and build and build and build and build in a positive way, and and also the other the other thing, which which is really good to remember when you are leading something. I think is another idea at the heart of improvisation is that you want to actively make your partner look great. So it's not about you being the star; it's about collaboration. Because when everyone is doing well in improv, when everyone's doing well, the scene is doing well. So in a tour, if everybody feels uh, listened to and part of it then that makes everybody feel good it also allows you to become less defensive and more accepting and encouraging of your own you know um yeah of your own because because things don't always go right as i said before and yeah. so you can you can really kind of own that almost and then you're kind of all in it together then yeah so that flexibility thinking on our yeah. feet the active listening and that collaboration as well you know as you say making your partner look good it's not all about i it's about we yeah. is very much at the heart of improv and i think as as educators we can learn so much from these techniques but i think also 
we could think about how we might be able to use some of these techniques with our groups as well. So not just for ourselves, for our own personal and professional development, but also for the groups that we're working with. So how might we introduce some improv techniques into our programs, into our tours to use with our participants? Do you have any suggestions for us? I do. I I mean, I think you already use yes and, don't you? Yeah. So yes, yeah. and is a is is a very typical one. It's because what it, it's doing is is listen hearing the yes, yes, I hear what you say, and the and is building on it and being positive and adding to it. So that's a really good technique to use. Um and it's 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 the idea of not blocking things and actively building things. And there's another, there's a, a really nice storytelling technique that um I've used before, and it's called narrative colour emotion. And it's a storytelling technique that uses three gears. So the gear of narrative, where you're telling a story in terms of the plot. But of course, the other interesting aspects of the story are the colour of the story. So what you can see or hear or smell or even taste in that moment in the story. And emotion, how do your characters in the story feel? So... And that, that is really translatable to a to a piece of art, actually. So imagine we're playing this as a game. So, again, these are sort of everybody gets involved in a particular part of it. So if you're playing it a game, somebody would start off by telling a simple story, which is the narrative. And then as they go along, other people interrupt and they say, no, no, tell the colour. And what they mean is describe, you know, um, what is, um, what, 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 you can hear or see. So, in other words, so if we took something like Humpty Dumpty, for instance, which we all know Humpty Dumpty, so you might start off with Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, which is a bit of narrative, and then somebody says colour, and so what can what can he smell? What can he hear? We're freezing in that moment, and it could be something simple like the wall is green, or Humpty Dumpty is a pale pink colour or something. Um, uh, but if we go even deeper, if we go into well, the wall is very badly made. It was a dry stone wall. It's the sort of wall, you know, you get on the side of the road, the sort of edge of a field in Yorkshire. You know, the kind of one you see when you're driving past, when, you you, you know, you're going too fast. And it really looks like it's falling apart. Oh, and Humpty Dumpty was round. He was egg-shaped, and because that's why he's called Humpty Dumpty. And he was wearing a a little hat, and he was wearing some dungarees. So that's that's describing the colour, if you like, of the moment. And then somebody might say, oh, no, emotion then. Give us the emotion. And I might say, now, you see, Humpty Dumpty was scared at this point. He kind of won the war, but he didn't really know what he was doing. And he was trying to impress uh, people. And his friends were shouting up at him. They were really excited. And um, and the, the shouts that they were giving you were scaring the nearby sheep. And so what you do is you create this whole environment, this whole story. And, and it encourages you to really explore around what is the obvious thing and to go a little bit deeper. So I, that's probably translatable, I would think, into an art, piece of art. Yes, I love it. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> fantastic idea. I've already, my brain's already wearing away thinking of uh, opportunities I might have to use that in some way. Yeah. Um, sounds perfect. And yes, and I used, I've used for a number of years, and I've quite often used it as a warm-up so at the start of a program um, as I do a lot of trainings now I also use it as a sort of warm-up at the start of trainings as a as a way to sort of build rapport and 
group dynamics, bring the group together. And it's it's such a positive way to start because we we do it very simply by observing details in a painting. So we're literally either standing in a circle going around the room or we're doing it on Zoom in uh, breakout rooms. But it's, yeah. it's fun, it's fast, and it really, really breaks down barriers. So you can physically see the group coming together after yeah. they've used this. Um, and it's so lovely to see. So Yeah, it's a great yeah. because it's, it also feels, in the context that, it feels really safe as well, because you can't give a wrong answer there because you're observing and you are, are, are saying what you're observing. So it, yeah, I can imagine how that really brings the group together. That's a great technique to use yeah yeah and it, it, it's yeah seeing people smile as they're doing it as well is, yeah. <laughs> is, is really good fun so thank you for that um, I'm going to take that away with me and think about how I might apply it but what <laughs> I wanted to ask you next was how do you with your audience with your participants how do you make them feel safe if you're going to be moving into some of these techniques like yes and or narrative color emotion that you were talking about how do you make them feel safe to move into some of these techniques i think it's right at the beginning is is reinforcing the fact that um uh, you, there are no wrong questions to ask and that all questions however small or bizarre or seemingly crazy <laughs> enable us to all as a group lead on to something else so everything is valid and that reminding them that you are going to be listening carefully you hope to them and asking even questions yourself is is great because immediately it sets up that idea of it being a collaborative venture that you're all going on together and that you can that it sets up this really nice safe environment from the beginning it doesn't matter you know what their background is how much they know you know, everybody is involved and everybody um, is as valid as the next person. Um, and I think there's also something that you can do at the end of your tour as well, which always, and you could do it at various points within it too. You could do it, in fact, after every um, stop, if you like, after every every time you introduce something new. it Because it this is something that leaves a group feeling really heard and upbeat. Asking at the end for something, what was the the best thing or the something good or positive or memorable that they can remember about that particular discussion. That's always a really good way to end a talk, um, particularly because then people really think back to, oh gosh, okay, so we, we, we saw this piece of art, we saw this, we went into that room and we did this and we, we experienced that. Now, what was it that I loved about what was it that really stood out to me? And then other people remember the brilliant bits as well, and they all have something new to take out of it. Yeah, absolutely. I was just doing a class yesterday um, with a team at a museum in the U US and um, we were, it was all about group dynamics and we were talking mm. about how um, your introduction is so, so important because that's when you are setting the expectations and you're yeah. creating that safe space, you're establishing trust, all those sorts of things, you're creating connections for what's to follow. 
Um, and that's really, really important to be able to do the sort of activities you want to do and ask the questions you want to ask. And mm. equally important, as you just pointed out, is that you need to conclude well as well. Yeah. You don't want to sort of go out on a whimper. You really want to end well so that, you know, you can, as you say, look inward towards what you've done and then perhaps look outward to see, you know, what, what your takeaway is going to be as well. So I really love that idea about thinking about one thing that was uh, really positive really good really memorable um, about what you did as well yeah (laughs) so moving on to your masterclass which I'm really excited about um, (laughs) it's going to be on the 29th of March could you tell us a little bit about it Yes, I mean, it, it, when I was, you know, thinking it, you know, when I was thinking what I was going to do, I was thinking that, because, um, and going back to where we started really here, which was that people can be a bit fearful. <clears throat> people can be a bit fearful of improvisation. Um, and in actual fact, everybody is a far more skilled at improvising than they realise. Every time you lead a tour or you guide a discussion, you're entering into a form of improvisation that generates conversation and participation. That's what, that's all we're really trying to do is learn those little techniques that might allow you to become more playful in the moment. And for you not to literally necessarily take that technique and, you know, use it um, in your tours, but for you to, to understand that active listening, that, um, you know, being present and really concentrating in the moment is such a useful technique to have and being, being um, you know, being really positive. So what we're going to look at, are, I've, I've, I've broken them down into the five rules of improvisation that will help educators uh, and um, guides to enhance their programs and their tours and teaching. So um, we're going to look about, we're going to look at being more responsive and flexible in the moment and being more creative and connecting with other people. So we will play games, we will, um, and, um, but they'll be very, it'll be very safe and nobody is going to need to, um, you know, uh, come with any prior knowledge or anything about, uh, about improvisational games. So all it is, is we're going to tell stories where there are no scripts. And that is really that simple. And all of the things that we do there will hopefully be things that you can take away and use in a day-to-day setting. Brilliant. Um, I'm so looking forward to this. Um, And it's (laughs) going to be lots of fun as well, isn't it? Yeah, it will. It absolutely will be. And um, yeah, it it should be great, actually. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Brilliant. So that's on the 29th of March and I yep. will, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Finally, I want to ask you if you can recommend any books or a book in particular that you think our listeners might like related yes. to this subject. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are a couple actually. Um, there's, um, there's one which is called uh, How to Be the Greatest Improviser, which is by a guy called Will Hines. H-I-N-E-S, I think, How to Be the Greatest okay. Improviser. And then there's also one called The Improv Handbook by Tom Selinsky and Deborah Francis. But what I would also say is there are a lot of um, things online, in, interviews and, um, and actually uh, programs that we already watch that are part of our, our listening that are actually fantastic improvising 
games. So Just a Minute, which is um, a radio show, which yeah. is very well established, that is pure improv. In fact, that's improv at its best because they don't know what they're going to get before they start talking. And the rule in this case is that they can't repeat themselves. But nonetheless, Just a Minute is is absolutely um, uh, all about improv. And there's a fantastic interview, which I'll send you the link to, which perhaps you can put in the show notes. There's an absolutely brilliant interview all about improvisation by Paul Merton, who is often on Just a Minute, in fact, and who has been improvising for gosh, probably about 35 years. And he's extremely good at improvising. And it's an absolutely brilliant interview. Um, so, and, and it's really all about being flexible and in the moment and, and letting yourself go um, and, and being ready for anything, any curveballs that might be thrown your way. So it's, yeah, it's a really good interview. Definitely share the links to those books yeah. and that interview. Um, yeah, um, Just a Minute is a Radio 4 classic, isn't it? It's been around yes, for so long. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and yes, it's, it's sort of, and, and, and there are many other com- comedy in particular uses a lot of improvisational techniques. So, you know, if, if whatever comedy you listen to, the chances are that they've improbbed the idea before they've written the, um, the comedy sketches. So, yeah. Just listen out for it and be aware aware of it. Yeah, all around you. Brilliant. Thanks, Samantha. So how can people find you? How can they reach out to you? Perhaps you could share a couple of links or the best places to go and look for you. Yes, of course. Yes. Well, I've got my my website, which is um, predominantly about um, voiceover, but uh, is soon to have a whole section on things like this, on 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 my coaching, on the stuff I do in terms of coaching, of which improvisation is one of those things, in fact. Um, and that's samanthaboffin.co.uk. So that's quite uh, easy. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm probably more active on LinkedIn than I am on any other social media platform. And I've also got, and very easy to find, Samantha Boffin. There aren't many Samantha Boffins out there. Just me, in fact. Um, and I've also got a podcast called Talking Creative. And that's a weekly podcast. And I look at all kinds of creativity on that. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of it is about audio creativity. But, um, but yes, I do all sorts of things on there that, um, that might well be interesting to listen to <laughs> absolutely and i've shared your podcast before in yeah. my weekly newsletter as well so um i'll put all the links to all of this i'll go through it very diligently and create all the links oh, <laughs> and i'll put them in the show notes so people can check them out afterwards but thank you so much for chatting with me again for the second time <laughs> i'm super excited for the masterclass at the end of the month um, and to dive a little bit deeper into improv something that's always fascinated me and for sharing your wisdom today it's been brilliant thank you thank you so much for having me claire (laughs) thanks a lot bye thanks bye bye So many thanks to Sam for being on the podcast today. Again, we had such a good chat as always. If you want to join Sam's masterclass on 29th of March, you can do so in two ways, either by becoming a member of the Thinking Museum membership, that's the cheaper option, or by purchasing a one-off masterclass. Now, in this 90-minute class, Sam will be teaching the five rules of improvisation. This will enhance your tours, programs, and teaching. So sharpening up your improv skills is a great way to develop creativity and to connect with other people. It's a way to tell a story when there's no script, and to do that effectively, 
there are a few rules you need to follow. So Sam will be teaching us those rules and it will be a fun, interactive and hands-on masterclass. It will make you more adaptable, more flexible and more confident as an educator and facilitator. So I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can sign up. Love to see you there. And don't forget our new Facebook group, The Slow Looking Club. It's a place for conversation and discussion all about engaging with art, objects and life slowly. I'll share resources, some tips, some ideas, and it's for anyone interested in looking at art, whether it's for your personal enjoyment or your practice as a cultural educator. Now, we'll have lots of regular slow-looking moments too, so do join us there. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.